I've always believed the foundation of our fulfillment in life doesn't come from our success, but rather the strength of our relationships, not only with others, but also with ourselves. And how we develop a deeper connection is through self-reflection and purposeful conversations with those around us, especially like-minded individuals. And that is exactly why I created the What Fulfills You card game, to cultivate both more meaningful relationships with others, as well as ourselves on the journey of personal growth. I certainly use these questions as a guide for journal prompts and weekly check-ins with myself. And of course, when I am playing this game with friends on a Friday night in, you bet I am enjoying it with a glass of wine or two, who knows. Shop the card game now at whatfulfillsyou.com and enjoy an exclusive 10% off for listeners only with the code whatfulfillsyou10 at checkout. That's whatfulfillsyou10 at checkout at whatfulfillsyou.com. Enjoy! Emily Elizabeth, and I'm the host of the What Fulfills You podcast, a show for and about individuals always seeking to be their best selves. On this show, we talk all about building the mindset, finding the right careers, creating meaningful relationships, and so much more. Welcome to the What Fulfills You podcast. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back to the What Fulfills You podcast. My name is Emily Elizabeth, and I am your host. On today's episode, I sit down and chat with Paul Fishman, who I absolutely love. I mean, I've mentioned this before, but I am all about energy, especially when talking with my guests, and Paul definitely brings great energy to this episode and I love how open and vulnerable he was with this conversation and really tapping into his own personal experiences and personal examples to really help you guys resonate with maybe your own personal life and some things that might be similar. A lot of topics that we focus on today is around self-confidence, self-awareness, people-pleasing, self-love, and a lot more. He is known as a coach and consultant, and he does work with clients one-on-one, as well as having his own podcast focused on the road and journey to self-love. So all of that is linked in the show notes. But this episode really had a lot of valuable nuggets, and of course, every episode does, but this one in particular, if you love hearing people's thoughts and really getting that mindset shift around self-confidence and working on yourself, something that I've always been an advocate for and something that I'm actively always doing as well. I will be honest with you guys, right now I am doing a lot of self-work in a good way in certain aspects of my life that I haven't really explored um, as much probably since my last relationship. So that might really hint towards like what I am experiencing right now. But I will say that listening to Paul when I was editing this episode while going through what I'm going through right now was just a really nice reminder for myself on the importance of maintaining the self-awareness And of course, having love for myself, but also checking myself and understanding and pausing, okay, when I notice something that I could adjust and work on, what is it and what are some action steps that I can do right now to really change the course in a more positive light? 
And so again, super valuable episode. I think this is kind of the type that you would probably want to take notes on, so to speak, or like put some um, nuggets in your phone. That's something I used to do as well and still actively do, but maybe not as much where, um, especially when I'm feeling, you know, in a certain chapter of my life, I used to write notes from episodes in my phone and I still have it to this day where I have them pinned in my notes and I will go back to like stuff that I wrote in 2018, which was a really transformative year for me. And I will look at some of the things that I wrote down and reminded myself. And for me, that's always been helpful. So I think this episode is one of those. So with that being said, let's dive into it. Paul, thank you so much for joining me today. I am so excited to dive into the topics we'll be talking about today. But first, can you give a background and some context into who you are and how you specifically got into what we're going to be talking about today? (laughs) Well, thank you so much for having me, Emily. I am really, really, really honored to be here and, and love being given the opportunity to just share my journey and share my insights into how to be a human in this wild and crazy world. So uh, my name is Paul Fishman. I am now defining myself as just a human on the road to self-love. Really excited to continue the conversation about relationship with self and with others, communication, self-love, self-awareness, self-compassion, just ultimately how to be a better you so that you can live the life that you've always wanted to. And a little bit of background about my journey to this place. Um, I lived most of my life and still struggle uh, with people pleasing. And people pleasing defined by me is saying yes to the things you want to say no to and no to the things you want to say yes to. And I really spent most of my life trying to meet the expectations that I thought other people had for me and failing miserably because expectations are just resentment waiting to happen and because of that I really found myself trying to play catch up in a in a race that I put my own self on mm-hmm. no one else had these expectations that I kind of started telling myself a story that they had and it really set me up for some hard hard rock bottom moments along with just having difficulty in my relationships with my parents, Mm -hmm. my family, my friends, my partner, and so on and so forth. So I've really just dedicated my life to becoming a better me so that I can empower and inspire everyone else to become a better them and really just live as a permission slip for consistently showing up and being human. Yeah. I really love that because I went through a similar journey and and that's kind of how this podcast came about with um, learning to understand my own adversities and where I went wrong in certain relationships and you know how I can improve and so um, I'm curious though how did it start with self-love like where did it come from okay being self-aware that this is a pattern you want to break in your life and recognizing like you need to start at self-love or maybe with self-confidence like how did that realization come about for you? So it was really a realization in retrospect. I didn't even know that I was on a self-love journey um, because at my first of many rock bottom moments, 
I realized that I was living my life for everyone else. And I was looking in the mirror and I didn't even recognize the person staring back at me. So at that moment, I had to get really crystal clear with who I am, what I want, and really dive deep into that. And at that moment, it was leaving a job, leaving a relationship, moving home across the country, back in with my parents at the age of 29, like really aggressive life altering things that I had to do to survive. Because if I didn't do them, I, I don't know what, what would have happened to me. I, w I was heading down a dark path. So within that journey, it was a do or die moment for me. And looking back at the age of 25, you know, almost 12, 13 years ago. Oh my goodness. Wow. I am, I'm so, I'm young, but I'm so old. You're young. Um, <laughs> I ultimately just realized that, oh wow, that was self-love. Because for me, the definition of self-love is if we look at the two words, the word self is the individual and love is devotion. So if you're operating from a place of self-love, you're getting devoted to your individuality. What makes you you? What do you want? What fills you with joy? Where do you want to be in this day and place with yourself? Mm -hmm. And because of that, I realized that that's what I was doing. So that was like part one. And I kind of want to fast forward to this past year, 2021, where I hit a different type of rock bottom uh what i think although if you talk to 25 year old paul he'd probably be like no it was way worse back then <laughs> but this past year was probably the hardest year of my life due to a couple of different reasons but primarily because i was trying to force myself to love myself when I really didn't love myself mm -hmm. because of a, a bunch of different factors. But the main factor being that I had a business where I was teaching people how to love themselves, a podcast called The Road to Self Love. Mm -hmm. And and really needing to show up every single day like I had it all together, but I didn't. And my body started rebelling against me because I was unwilling to listen to my intuitive guide saying, hey, this business that you started four years ago is no longer aligned and you need to either make some fast changes or you are going to end up right back where you were at the age of 25. So uh, because of that misalignment, the only way that my body could get me to stop was to get very sick. And I ended up um, getting a horrible disease called pityriasis rubra pilaris, which PRP for short, which basically impacts your skin. And my skin got very red, flaky, dry, burny. It cracked all over my body. It was the most uncomfortable thing ever. And because of this, I literally was brought to my knees and couldn't continue doing what I was doing. I was set on this trajectory where I just filmed a um, pilot for a pilot episode of uh, a reality show that I wanted to create all about self-love. And that's when the rash started trickling in and really took over my entire life and I had to stop. And a year later I have that footage and I have no, it's not that I don't have a desire to be on TV anymore, but mm -hmm. I have no desire to do those things anymore because I know that 
align it's just not aligned and mm -hmm. this is how wild the body is like the body truly does keep the score and your body is always looking out for you so even if you get these rare skin disor disorders <laughs> like i did it's all for a bigger purpose and that's kind of what i've come out the other end of all of this learning that life is happening for us not to us yeah you talk about recognizing the misalignment there um in in both like many years ago as well as this past recent year knowing what you know now from that experience and seeing the actual physical impact on your health what would you advise someone that when they feel just like that gut instinct of this is misaligned whether it's you know with work or friendship or whatever it is in life it's just you can feel that misalignment what would you advise to do differently? Like take action sooner, like pause and reflect. Like what is your, what are your thoughts on that? I would absolutely say to pause and reflect. I would absolutely say, do not ignore it. Yeah. You might not be ready to take action. I wasn't ready to release this business that I personally thought I was going to be doing for the rest of my life. That felt so good and exciting and aligned. But when clients uh, stopped coming through the door, when my Instagram engagement started going down and I started losing followers and, and I just felt like I wasn't having an impact anymore, it really made, forced me to sit with it. And even at that point, I was unwilling to look at it. I was like, I've worked so hard. I've done big things. I've been on big podcasts talking about self-love. What changed? Mm -hmm. And the reality is, is that nothing might, nothing actually changed other than the fact that it was no longer my path. And mm -hmm. letting go of that was the hardest thing that I ever had to do because I had decided that my career defined me. And ultimately, your career does not define you. It is a beautiful piece of you, but it does not define you. And this is where I see a lot of us running into issues. So to kind of like bring it back to your question, you know, it's not like a, a one and done, like sit and reflect, but really get curious. Mm -hmm. Why is this happening? What am I experiencing right now that's uncomfortable? Take inventory of your life and all the things you're doing. And you could even just like cross out the things that don't bring you joy. Like this is a pillar of my program, the self-love diet that I used to lead where I would have everyone write down all of the specific things that you do in a day and then circle the things that bring you joy and cross out the things that don't. And then we move to another piece of paper and you write down all of those things that bring you joy and use those as the foundation to build out your ideal dream day and move from there because there's no reason why we as humans should not be able to make our days up worth of 95% of the things that bring us joy. There's always going to be things that don't bring us joy because if we just lived a, um, a life full of joy 100% of the time, then that joy would no longer be joy anymore because we wouldn't even be able to embody it as such because there'd be nothing contrasting it. I learned this from in and out the, um, the Disney <laughs> Pixar movie. Uh, but uh, with that being said, just... Get curious, notice when your body doesn't feel good. Notice when you're continuing to show up at a job that doesn't feel good, why doesn't it feel good? Why don't you like the job anymore? Why is the relationship not feeling good? And then the next thing that you do is you ask yourself, 
what can I do differently to change this? Mm-hmm. What can I do? Because we could sit around pointing our fingers and blaming everyone else all day long for all of our problems, but that's not going to fix anything. It's actually just going to make everything worse. Mm-hmm. So what can you do differently today to actively move towards the life of your dreams? And this is the question that I was avoiding. And this is the question that a lot of my previous clients were avoiding is they would much rather just sit in that victim mentality mm-hmm. saying, oh, life is happening to me. There's nothing I can do. I guarantee you that there's always something that you can do regardless of the situation. Even if the situation is dire, painful, so hard, there's absolutely something that you can do differently, even if it's just shifting your mindset. You guys, I've been drinking Magic Mind for months now, and I have to say, it's freaking gold. I mean, it literally tastes so good that I sometimes drink it twice a day, which, by the way, nothing wrong with doing so, but they do recommend only one a day. So that goes to show how much I do really love this stuff. And I did drink one before starting my workday today. So why I love Magic Mind so much is because it actually makes me feel really calm and focused and it's also that perfect push that gets me into my flow state, which is what it's meant to do. And I'll share a few key facts and ingredients in this product. So it is known to increase and improve productivity. It has very little caffeine and it only comes from matcha tea. It's a great alternative for coffee. If you drink coffee for energy and focus, I personally don't. I like to drink Magic Mind with my coffee or just after because the morning coffee and just making coffee, like I just don't want to give that up. It also helps fight off fatigue and brain fog as well as some ADD symptoms. And the best part, it is all natural ingredients, including adaptogens, matcha, and nootropics. If you've been thinking about it for a while, I highly recommend you give this a try. It comes in a box of 15, and it's definitely the perfect amount for the month. And even better, you can enjoy 20% off your purchase with the code FULFILL at magicmind.co slash fulfill during checkout. That's fulfill, F-U-L-F-I-L-L, at magicmind.co slash fulfill. Enjoy. Mm-hmm. I could not agree more with you there. That is something I have preached to many people on this with this audience, but my friends and peers, just that, you know, just like you said, that life happens for you, not to you, you know, and, and 90% of it is just how you choose to deal with it and how you choose to react to it. And, and I'm a big um, you know, advocate for stoicism. And, and I, I practice stoic philosophy in that sense as well. But I think that's a big obstacle many people have, especially the younger generation, is that they have a strong tendency to blame external events for being the reason why they can't do or be X, Y, Z. Speaking of mindset shift, because, you know, and that's where I started for myself too many years ago when I began working on myself more, paying attention to how I could be more in control of my life um, just by the simple choice. What would you say is a a beginning mindset shift point? Like what, you know, outside of, okay, once you recognize like, okay, I can have more control over my life just by strategically making these choices and being aware along the way, um, what would you say are kind of some of the other steps along the way that people can do to slowly shift into that mindset i think first of all it's giving yourself permission 
to not have all the answers, mm -hmm. giving yourself permission to acknowledge the fact that when we're met with tough situations, there's always an opportunity for growth and also um, allowing yourself to step into the unknown. A lot of the times we run into issues because we're unwilling to step into the unknown. And this isn't fully your fault. The thing is, is that as we function as human beings, our ego, which is not bad, it's actually just meant to keep us safe, is going to connect to particular things that make it feel comfortable. For example, in my life, something that my ego really likes to use to comfort is sweets, chocolate, anything that just like, mm, just, I just love dessert so much. <laughs> so I'll notice when something goes poorly for me. Okay, I actually have a great story about this and this really helped me connect the dots. So if you heard me on some other podcast and I used to tell the story that I had a shopping problem, like it was borderline addiction, probably was an addiction, still in denial about that. <laughs> but I still, I really enjoy nice things and for a portion of my life, I put myself into extreme financial crisis to have these nice things. So a couple weeks ago, I was um, in LA and I was shopping with a friend and I went in, we were on Rodeo Drive and I went into Louis Vuitton and there was this like beautiful, like the personification of my personality in a bag. And there were, it was limited edition. There were only four left in the country. And I was like, okay, I need this bag. Like I put it on, I sent a face up a video of it to my husband. And he was like, how much is it? And I was like, I don't want to tell you. And he was like, how much <laughs> is it? And I was like, Ugh. so it was way out of my budget. Like I didn't even have the money to buy it, but I was just like, I need this bag so much. But then my husband was like, Paul, you can't afford it. This isn't like, it's not smart to get this bag. Don't get it. And at that moment I felt very rejected and, um, playing back into a childhood wound of mine. I was told no a lot and also told myself no a lot. So a way to cope was that I would never tell myself no again. So I'd always say yes to myself. If I wanted something, get it. If I wanted to do something, do it. There was, and this proved to be very, very painful for me in the long run because we racked up a lot of credit card debt get, to get all the things. We went on the trips, we experienced the, um, all the fun things, but we couldn't afford to do it. And when I'm saying we, I'm saying me. So <laughs> I noticed that after I left Louis Vuitton feeling very, very de defeated and sad, my body started going, thinking, craving something sweet. And I was just like, well, if I can't spend $4,000 on a bag, I'm going to go to Air One and buy $200 worth of groceries. Because this is like, I don't know, I can always justify like groceries because it's food or whatever. <laughs> and and then I started noticing myself like making a plan of what I was going to buy at Air One. And, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, Air One is like the grocery store of grocery stores in LA. <laughs> and uh, I was thinking about all the organic like $12 chocolate bars I was going to buy and I was getting so excited. And I stopped myself. And I was like, holy bleep, Paul, you couldn't get what you wanted. So you were trying to soothe yourself in the best way you knew how, which was still going and spending money that you 
wasn't wasn't the smartest thing to do mm-hmm. but and then you're buying food to soothe so really at that moment i um got onto my better help app because that's who i do therapy with and yeah. i messaged my therapist and i i'm like i just had a breakthrough i was like i had to say no to myself about this bag and then i immediately wanted to go buy food and just getting curious about what can i do instead of that so then i just started taking some deep breaths like like noticing my body telling myself you are safe you are safe you are safe because really in that moment i had to step through some unknown i had to step Mm -hmm. into saying no to myself not getting this thing that i really truly wanted Mm -hmm. and then uh then the next piece is that i had to stay no to myself again and not go to erwan to buy sweets that i would probably binge and overindulge on just to fill that void so ultimately it's a void so and then okay but there's one more piece of this story that i can't even believe that i'm sharing but i'm going to share anyway so on that same day it also that wasn't the first um like luxury good that i was rejected on like before that i had went to christian louboutin which is (laughs) a very fancy shoe store and there was a pair of shoes that i really wanted to get and they were weren't as expensive as the bag but they were still up there Mm-hmm. And once again, my husband says, no, you can't get that. It's not smart. You know? And I was like, but I just signed this big contract for this new consulting gig. Like, I just want to celebrate. And he was like, Paul, it's no, it, don't you think that we, you should like, put that money aside for like a rainy day? Okay. And I said, yes. So then <laughs> I hope you have a good husband. <laughs> oh my God. I have a good husband, but like also a, a really annoying husband. So <laughs> So I'm hoping that he's not listening because I haven't shared this with him yet, but it's such like a, this is like a serves you right, Paul. You didn't learn your lesson. You did it anyway. So then I found those shoes two weeks later on Nordstrom and I was like, oh my gosh, I have a Nordstrom credit card. I can put it on the credit card. So I, I put the order through, you know, Mm -hmm. without like, without telling him, like then trying to scheme how I was going to get this through the door. And, (laughs) um, and I put the order through and for some reason it doesn't get put on my Nordstrom card and it goes into our joint bank account. <laughs> okay. So he see, and it overdraws our joint bank account. So I have to transfer all of the money. I have to transfer money from my business account to my joint checking account to cover up this major boo-boo. And then I have literally no money because all of that money that I spent on these shoes that I was just like, oh, I'll figure it out later. I'll put it on my Nordstrom card. I just really need the shoes. So now I'm waiting for the shoes to come so that I can take them to Nordstrom to return them so that I can get the money back. Mm-hmm. And it's like this full circle moment, like, Paul, you learned the lesson. You you, 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 were, you refused to learn the lesson. So the universe is going to slap you on the wrist another time. <laughs> and do you, and, but I'm still like, God, I really just want these shoes. So, you know, how, so I'm, I, so really like, you are not alone if you are always scheming and trying to figure out how you can outsmart the universe and not learn the lessons that you're meant to learn. But at the end of the day, like, take it from me, it's not worth the stress, the pain, the discomfort, the, the, um, the, what's the word that I'm looking for? Just like, lying to yourself that you can actually figure this stuff out and outsmart the lessons. So, uh, yeah, we're, uh, the shoes just got delivered today and I'm going to Nordstrom after this to, um, to, I guess I have to return them. I really don't want to, but anyway, I'll figure that out. Stay tuned. 
I love that story. Wow. That actually, that makes me smile a lot though, because I think like you said, it is full circle. I also find a lot of themes in there, especially towards the end relating to self-confidence in a way where you said at the end, it's like, you know, at some point you, you can't lie to yourself in, in that way. And, and you can't, and, and again, and not just with this kind of thing, but I think in general too, that I think that mentality of fake it till you make it, um, mm-hmm. A lot of people today tend to do that, especially because social media enables people to. And I personally never been a fan of that statement, fake it till you make it. I think because at some point it merges with your own belief in what mm-hmm. you think of yourself and that becomes a total facade. Um, and the way I've always built self-confidence was being self-aware of where I needed to you know, work on my flaws or things that were weaknesses and and call myself out on my bullshit you know mm-hmm. and it's similar to you know in my eyes similar to kind of what you did especially at the end you're like all right you recognize that slap on the wrist type thing um but where where are some struggles you see or maybe from experiences with clients or just from what you observed with self-confidence why are people struggling to figure that out or what are some common mistakes that people are doing that are just prohibiting them to establish this self-confidence for themselves you know a lot of it has to it comes back to the to our origin story which everyone's different especially in childhood so you know this is like mini therapy 101 and this is why i 10 out of 10 like recommend speaking to someone who is unbiased who doesn't know you who has like a background in supporting you discover what's going on and where you learn these things but we talk about this on tiktok a lot i'm having a lot of fun on tiktok and we talk about the worthiness wound and we talk about how a lack of worthiness of either receiving the things that you want or or having the life that you want or finding the right partner or whatever it is when you don't feel you're worthy of that the universe is not going to deliver it to you because why would the universe give you something that you are ultimately going to reject so The lack of self-confidence comes from this lack of belief in yourself. And once again, it's not all your fault. Mm -hmm. Our childhood um, trauma and conditioning, you know, how we learn to look at ourselves by the way we watched our parents look at themselves and speak about themselves. You know, um, I'm a millennial and the millennial generation, even the Gen Z generation, they're like, I don't even understand how they're so confident, but like millennials, we really, we have this like great opportunity to, to learn from our parents, but unfortunately our parents were really screwed over. You know, my parents' generation, you know, they, there were, they were having to live through like the latchkey generation where the, where they had both working parents and all of this stuff that didn't allow them to be nurtured and loved for the way that millennial parents do. And ultimately, uh, what I know to be true is that regardless of what your childhood looked like, you have the full opportunity to change your outlook on life and who, how you see yourself and develop self-confidence. So it really starts from within. It starts from acknowledging where those patterns and feelings of, of low self-worth came from and proclaiming that those things do not define you at all. 
They do not define you. They were a beautiful opportunity for you to learn. And also if those things had not have happened for you, you would not be where you are today. As painful as some of the things that some of us experience as a little kid, uh, you know, I did not have an easy childhood. From the outside, it looked easy, but I have two very codependent parents both of which were alcohol, well not alcoholics, but both of which were addicts on different levels and who came from addict parents who were just doing the best with what they had. And here I am like unlearning all of this toxic junk and witnessing my parents in their 60s unlearning this stuff too. And us all coming together being like, wow, I'm noticing the intense anxiety that I experienced just by being around my parents during certain situations. And that's not on them. Right, like I learned that and I get to just soothe my nervous system by taking a deep breath, not mm -hmm. taking a bite of a chocolate bar or going and buying two expensive shoes, right? Mm -hmm. It's by taking a deep breath and reminding myself that I am safe. I'm not in any imminent danger. I am just unlearning the toxic patterns that at one point were the only thing that could keep me safe, right? At one point, shopping and binge eating sweets was the only thing that I could actually do to keep my, me safe because A, I didn't have the resources or the understanding and B, that's what I had to grow through to get to where I am today. So give yourself a little bit of grace. These things that I'm saying you might be hearing for the first time, you might having these major breakthrough light bulb moments and then because of the toxic hustle culture and go, go, go and figure your shit out stuff that we are just perpetually inundated with on a day-to-day -day basis, you think that you have to have it all figured out. But self-love is not finite. Self-confidence is not finite. You're not gonna wake up one day and master those things and never have to work on them again. There will mm -hmm. be some days where I'm so confident and other days where I'm just like, do not let me get out of bed today because I'm, I'm just a failure of a human being. So you are not alone and give yourself grace you've got this you will get through this first step getting curious noticing what's going on the next step create an action plan and if you don't know what you want to do make a list of all the things you don't want to do and then just write the opposite of those things because when you get to the opposite of what you don't want you'll find out what you do want yeah when it came for you when you were building your self-confidence over the years what were some of the action steps you took like was it maybe around fitness or was it like you know because each person has a, their own insecurities um and and so it's often about doing the damn thing to actually build confidence around it so for you what was that like oh my goodness where do we even begin so <laughs> i <sighs> So I always struggle with my body weight and still to this day struggle with that. Uh, I was just born into a bigger body and really due to also my coping mechanisms and self-soothing <laughs> things, like to pack on some pounds to stay safe. And, and I'm just now working on releasing the emotional trauma that I think really prohibits me from living in the body that I truly believe that I'm meant to live in. And so, yes, I, when I was at rock bottom at 25, I was 75 pounds heavier than I am today. I was working a job that didn't serve me. I was in a relationship that was emotionally abusive and toxic to my mental health. So what did I do? I left the relationship and I then just naturally found myself going to the gym and 
moving that emotion, lifting heavy mm. things, feeling inspired. I found spin, which was uh, something that was like a solace for me. Dark room, no one's looking at you, music pumping, feeling so connected, moving that energy. And because of that, I actually became a spin instructor after going on a journey of being a a student for around 16 months, became an instructor. Then I moved back to San Diego and got a job um, at a local studio here in San Diego and became one of the top fitness instructors in the San Diego area, was voted most motivational instructor on class pass, like all these really big things that were so impactful for me. And I say, and this in itself built up my confidence, but I tell you this, when I would look in the mirror, regardless of how thin I was, and I put thin in quotations, I never was satisfied because I wasn't doing the actual internal work. I was avoiding the work and really self-confidence comes from within. It is not an external appearance. If going to the gym is going to help you feel more confident, that's great. But let's talk about something. If I'm going to the gym to lose weight so that other people will say to me, Paul, you look great so I can feel confident. Okay. That's a big no, no, because what you're doing is you're relying on other people to build up your confidence. So you're like, yes, Paul, that's what I was hoping you were going to get to. <laughs> you, 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 you said a lot of stuff and now you finally got to that soundbite that I needed. So and this is a really big thing. This is why I left fitness because I realized that every single client that I had was working out for the same reason and that was for external validation. So how can we turn that need for external validation into an opportunity to just internally validate ourselves? Even if you feel like you don't look great, look in the mirror and say, find a part of your body that you love. If even if it's your eyes and say, wow, I love my eyes or, Ooh, my eyebrows are on fleek today. <laughs> or wow, I love my lips or my hair. I guarantee you there is a part of your body that you like and focus on that part and then build that confidence from there. You know, we could talk about this for hours and ultimately I just want you to walk away from this conversation knowing that a, you're not alone and B, you are the complete keeper of your confidence, of your self-love, of your life. You are in complete control. And the second you allow anyone else to tell you otherwise is the second that you are going to lose a part of yourself that is going to be so much harder to get back after you've lost it. So hang on, hold on to yourself and, and just know that you are enough and you are worthy right here and now. I really love what you said there. It, it is true. I, I've always been a believer in internal work, but I also see a lot of parallels between the self-confidence aspect and the one's ability to maintain boundaries slash standards, especially in relationships, both romantically and in friendships. Um, can you, can, I want to dive into that part because I think that's not talked about a lot either in terms of like standards and and holding that standard firm because then that's where some people you know maybe sometimes it's confidence related where they kind of start to let those standards go and then they get upset and they get into this pattern of like why did this happen i let this person walk all over me and it creates like that whole chaos in their life that could have been avoided for the most part if they maintain that boundary slash standard um can you share first off how can someone establish a specific boundary or standard and what are the best ways to maintain that 
and stand firm with that, especially so you don't, you know, end up in a bad relationship romantically or that you don't keep going back to the guy or girl that's ghosting you so forth. Mm. Oh my gosh. Once they ghost, you do not bring them back to life. That's like, first of all, like a ghost, they are dead to us, block and bless money, okay? <laughs> so when, let's talk about what a boundary is not first, because I think that a lot of people are just confused around boundaries, because a lot of us are setting boundaries as if boundaries are ultimatums, mm -hmm. and boundaries are not ultimatums. So an ultimatum is like, a, if you don't do this, I'm going to leave or do this or else. And a lot of us were punished with ultimatums, right? If you don't clean your room, you're grounded. <laughs> okay, so we were taught unhealthy boundaries as ultimatums. There is a beautiful way, and if parents are listening to this, we can talk about that um, in a little bit, but like ultimately, when it comes to a boundary, a boundary is something that you use to teach someone how to treat you and how you want to be treated. It is not an ultimatum. The ultimatum is going to blow up in your face for many reasons, and it's also going to give you this grand delusion that you are truly in control when you are absolutely not. Because I don't know about you, but when someone says, like, throws an ultimatum in my face, I just want to do the thing that they said don't do. Like, I just want to rebel and be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to do that. You watch. <laughs> or what? Try me, right? And this is how we run into a lot of issues. So when setting a boundary, I like to think of boundaries as standards, like you mentioned. And really, a standard is something that two people agree upon. Mm -hmm. So I have a beautiful story about my father and I. And we were estranged for around six to seven months because of some things that he had done and I'd found out and I don't want to go all into mm -hmm. that. But if you really want to know all about it, there's an episode on my podcast where I talk all about this journey. And I was having a really hard time because my dad's getting older and I didn't want to wake up one day, get a phone call that my dad had passed away and I hadn't spoken mm. to him. So... I was like, what can I do about this? So I, I, I went into counsel with some of my friends and who are older than me and have been through similar situations. And they said, Paul, what we'd recommend is go to your dad and say, dad, there's no way that we are going to be able to repair and recover our old relationship. There's just too much hurt, too much pain. What I'd love to do is I'd love to start a new relationship with some new standards that you and I can agree upon mm -hmm. and both commit to upholding. So some standards that we as father and son agreed upon is to create a peer relationship, mm -hmm. not parent-child, but peer-to-peer so that we could speak openly to each other. We also agreed that there would no longer be unspoken expectations. If expectations were a part of the conversation, they would be communicated and they'd be agreed upon. Because remember, like I said at the beginning, an expectation is just a resentment waiting to happen. So especially if you're not communicating the expectation, you're just set up for failure altogether. So we sat there and we agreed upon these things and also some specific scenarios in our uh, relationship that we knew we were we always ran into issues with that we just talked through them and made sure that we had almost 
like an operating manifesto of how we are going to live our lives. So I really recommend anyone who's in a relationship who wants it to last long-term, sit down with your partner and create a relationship manifesto. Mm -hmm. If this happens, we are going to do this. Mm -hmm. uh, you might've seen uh, some TikToks where it's just like two couples like fighting, screaming. When we're fighting, screaming, and then we go on a walk and we're really huffy puffy because our therapist forced us to agree to go on a walk together when we're fighting and screaming to drop the fight, right? So it's like, this is a manifesto. When we fight, um, and scream instead of just like going to bed angry, we pick up and we go on a walk together or we agree to do this. When there's an issue with money, we have these X amount, X things that we plan on doing. If I'm feeling shame about something, I um, can create a safe space by using this code word to let you know that I'm feeling shame so that you can show up with a little more compassion. Mm -hmm. I mean, these are just playing in from my own relationship manifesto because I love my husband, but he's has zero compassion. Mm -hmm. He's a lawyer, so he's very much like, uh to the point, this is what I want. This is, where are the facts? And I'm over here like this creative, like flighty person. And I'm just like, hold on, wait, um, jury, order in the court, order in the court. So um, we've created this, these rules where when we sit down to have these conversations, we know how they're gonna go and we're both on the same page. So it might feel scary to, to go to your partner and be like, hey, I'd really love to create a relationship manifesto where we know how to uncover and and solve these problems and if you get pushback from your partner know that a it has nothing to do with you b they are just terrified because it's unknown it's unknown right i'm a very disorganized person i own that and for a long time i just told myself that that's the only way that i was going to to be able to operate organization not my thing but now I'm in this role within this company that um, that I just signed a contract with where I have to be very organized or I'm not going to be able to do my job. And I was kicking and screaming for the first four weeks. And then I sat down and I was like, okay, Paul, just try it their way, get organized, do it. And less anxiety on my end, easier job, less time spent. And ultimately it worked out for the better. So I was kicking and screaming because it was unknown. And now that it, I know it, it can be my my new universe. So I'm not quite sure that I fully answered your question. We talked about a lot. I went on a gazillion different tangents, but boundaries are not ultimatums. I think that's the biggest thing that I want the listeners to walk away from is that if you are setting boundaries as an ultimatum, you are going to ultimately set yourself up for failure because nobody likes an ultimatum. Right. Nobody likes to be told do this or else. It doesn't feel good. Yeah. What about in friendships? Um, I think that one is also often not talked about a lot either because there's, I feel like the the dating and the relationships aspect is, is very common. We, we always like feel like there's a dating coach and stuff like that. We look into how to improve in that aspect. But I think people, especially women, overlook the importance of putting in work and boundaries and standards in friendships as well do you have thoughts on that um or maybe different ways to approach it when it comes to a friendship instead of a partner i think that so many of these issues happen because of unspoken expectations um i'm a i'm a big fan of tinks uh, i don't know if you follow her but like uh, she's like the 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 biggest thing right now and she just uh she has this radio show where, where she just gives advice and she talks about girl code and and how like if you like someone the your friend isn't allowed to like them and like i hear that like i get that and 
at the same time, if you haven't sat down and specifically outlined your friendship code, how can you expect the other person to read your mind? So yes, it's fun and easy to live your life through the lens of what other people are telling you to do, but it might not work for you. You might not even care if your friend likes the same guy as you. You might not even care if your friend goes out and buys the same jeans as you. I remember in high school, I had this friend who would always buy the same pair of shoes that I would buy, the same pair of jeans and show up wearing them. And I, and I would get so frustrated. I'm like, get your <laughs> own style. Like, this is my journey, not yours. Like, why do you keep on copying me? And, and now like, I look back and I'm like, I never had that conversation with them saying like, Hey, I don't like that you copy everything that I copy because I, and looking back at like my own personal trauma around this, like I was always expected to, I was always told that I was just like my dad. I was always expected to be, I was always compared to other people and I just wanted to be different. I just wanted to have my own identity. And that really pushed me to really, I'm having a breakthrough right now. That, that really pushed me to express myself with fashion in these grandiose ways and, and wearing statement pieces and never really just like being comfortable in plain everyday clothing. And it was all because I just wanted to be my own person. And I couldn't have had that conversation in high school because the self-awareness wasn't there. But what I encourage you to do is witness your triggers with your friends mm -hmm. and know that your triggers can be your teachers. Mm -hmm. What is, what am I being triggered by? Why am I triggered that my best friend can, seems to always start flirting with the guy that I like. Why does, why am I triggered by X, Y, and Z? And then get to the bottom of it. And then also know that once again, it has nothing to do with you. If your friend continues to treat, like flirt with the guy that you outwardly were like, I like them, I'm gonna go after them. It, they just have an issue with like attention or they weren't given like love at home and they just, uh, or they mm -hmm. have like a, this feeling that they just, want to see if they can do it uh, and it has nothing to do with you everyone else's crap has nothing to do with you and the second that we we learn that and release the need to to take on everyone else's junk will be so much better it's a lot easier said than done but yeah i mean with friendship it's just start with yourself mm -hmm. and acknowledge like say what what is what am I meant to learn from all this? What can I do differently? Is it the fact that you're always a pushover and you tell your friends that you'll meet them out when you really just want to sleep and then you're resentful of them because you're taking your third shot of, of Patron or whatever you're drinking and then the next day you feel like crap and you can't be productive and really that's on you, boo, because you're too scared to tell them that you don't want to go out. Yeah. Okay, that's a huge one because I want to talk about that one as well is like the communication aspect, right? I think that that is an aspect of people pleasing, but also the it's almost like fear of communicating that with people. Um, I don't know if you've experienced this. I feel like, so my personality on the Myers-Briggs scale, if you're familiar with that, I'm an ENTJ. So I'm pretty direct and usually not scared to just communicate about it. But I've come to learn that ENTJs or people like me can come off abrasive in a certain way because we are direct. So with people who are like people pleasers or those who just don't know how to communicate, I have found struggles in that. But I've also just seen people struggle with 
that lack of communication and that in itself causes that resentment and those unspoken things that should have been spoken about. Um, do you have any thoughts on how people can go around that or how they can create a better environment to talk about these things so that resentment doesn't happen? I think that it's always leading by example, knowing that you can't control any other person. The only person that you can control is yourself. And also knowing when enough is enough, knowing when like the friend or the relationship or whatever it might be is just not worth your time anymore. And I also want to be really delicate when I say that because if you haven't put in the effort to actually sit down with a person and be like, hey, this pattern that I'm owning, right, that I'm doing is impacting our relationship in a way that doesn't make me feel good. I want to work on this. And I'm also curious if you'd be willing to support me doing that, right? Because here's what I, not, nowhere in that statement did I point a finger or blame the other person. I asked for support. I took ownership of my own crap. And I, I just said, this isn't working for me. I want to change and I need your support. And I have the solution because if you show up without a solution and they talk about this a lot in like work culture, like if you're going to your boss and just complain without a solution, like your boss is just going to roll their eyes at you. But if you're just like, Hey, I have a really hard time that I'm continuously scheduled to work on the weekends. Um, I would love to propose that one I will happily work an extra nighttime shift so that I can have a Saturday off once a month. Is that something you're open to discussing? Are you willing to discuss this, right? Um, and, it, and it's the same thing with friendship. If we're talking about the same, same scenario, hey, I love spending time with all you girls. It It's so much fun to go out. However, I've got some things that I really want to get done on Sundays. And I feel like when we go out on Saturdays, all I do, I just waste an entire day recovering from the night before I, the story that I'm telling myself, right? The, 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 the novel, the fiction, the top best-selling New York times, best-selling fictional novel that I'm writing in my head is that if I don't go out with you, that you're not going to want to be my friend anymore, that you're, you're going to um, reject me, that you're never going to invite me to do anything again. Is there any truth to that story? And then you get your friend being like, honestly, like, I don't even want to go out every Saturday night either, but I thought that's what you wanted to do, right? You know, or, you know, like these types of things happen or there's absolutely no, no truth to that story. Please, we, I don't want you to resent me because you're not able to go after your goals on the weekends or get your errands done. I don't want you to do that at all. So let's, let's have an agreement. You know, it's just, I don't want to not see you, like I'm gonna miss you. So if Saturdays don't work for you, or maybe we can get a, a dinner before we, and I meet up with all the other girls and you can go home and there'll be no judgment. And if you still struggle with it, well, that's on you. Cause you had the conversation. It's, you can no longer project those fears anymore onto the other person because they already gave you permission to go home. So if you're having FOMO, let's reverse that. And it's starting to, it's time to experience JOMO, the joy mm -hmm. of missing out. Wow. Okay. That, that, I love the scenario that you gave though, because it is so true that those stories that we tell ourselves in our head, like, oh, you know, like they want to go out or, or like I, I, but I don't and vice versa. And then it ends up being like, you guys think the same thing, 
but just that lack of communication. Have you ever been in a position where you dealt with someone that was avoidant in, in like having that conversation because they fear conflict, even though it's not conflicting it's, but they're just afraid of just having that conversation. Cause it feels so like, Oh my God, this is serious. But even though, again, it's just, we're adults, we communicate, but you know, there's certain people that are like that. Do you have any thoughts or have had experience with that? I mean, I'm like that. I am so avoidant <laughs> uh, and really like avoid these conversations until I have to have them. And the the best the way best way for me to practice is with my husband because we've got we've done the work together. We get it. We know what happens when we don't communicate. And uh, I'm still working on it. I'm I like when it comes to friendships, the I have a lot of. I have very few like close, close, close friends and all of them don't live in the same city as I do. So I really struggle though on this flip side that like, for instance, when you and I are done with this, I've, pro I've already decided that you and I are best friends. And like we, when I don't hear from you ever again, I'm like, well, Emily hates me. She really hates me, right? Like I, when I first started in this um, whole, well, perfect example, you were listening to the episode of me with Lauren, uh, Lauren Bostic, and I have her phone number and I would text her every once in a while. And I mean, she's known to not respond to text messages, but she wouldn't respond. And I'd be like, she hates me. She literally hates me. And I'd like be in the spiral and my husband would be like, Paul, you were on her podcast and she was on your podcast. Like that's the extent of your relationship. Like maybe um, it's not that she hates you, but like you're not a priority and you need to like be okay with that. And now I think that she freaking changed her phone number on me because now the texts go to green. And I was like, what? what? And But anyway, this is a whole nother situation that I'm working through. I'm trying to soothe my nervous system. It's fine. Um, she's very busy. Baby number two on the way. Lauren, if you're listening to this, we love you. Can you please text me back because we're best friends? Um, but seriously, like, just catch yourself in the stories. Because when you're dealing with people who are avoidant, it's once again, it's not your job to to micromanage or even manage their response to you or how they're like, if your friend is not telling you how they feel, that's not on you. Something uh, that I, I just learned, I interviewed someone on my show um, earlier today and she said, when some, if you offer your help one time, that's great. But any time after that is just you trying to control the situation. So if someone's unwilling to take your help the first time and you're just like, I'm going to go in and I'm going to try and help them again, then you're just trying to control. You're just trying to control the outcome of the situation. For example, in my life, um, I really hope my husband doesn't listen to this episode. My husband has this job that he's undervalued at, underpaid at, he's been at for too long. And the truth of the matter is I think he's going to be at this job for the rest of his life just because it's comfortable for him. He's good at it. And it's just how it's played out for the past seven years. For a long time, I'd be like, do you want me to go on LinkedIn and find new jobs for you? Do you want me to, you know, help you with your resume? Hey, I can connect you with my friend who's a recruiter. And I realized that 
me doing all those things wasn't me trying to help him. It was me trying to control the situation to get him to get a new job so that it would make my life easier. So instead of me hearing from him, we need to bring in more money. You are the entrepreneur. You're the only way we can bring in more money because my, my earnings are capped. I could be like, no, dude, you get a no job. You bring in more money. I'm stressed out as it is trying to make ends meet with my current career. So, so it's just me trying to make my life easier by controlling him in a way that doesn't serve either of us. That time that I spent looking at all those jobs was in vain because did he apply to any of them? No, because that's not, that's not his journey right now. And it's not for me. What I've learned in relationship, in friendship, in anything, put yourself first, take care of yourself, stop worrying about what the other people are thinking, what they're doing, any of that. None of that matters. If you are willing to take care of yourself, you will up-level to the point that either the people who are not willing to do the same for themselves are either going to fall off or they're going to say, wow, what is Paul doing? What is Emily doing? I got to up-level myself so that I can keep up. You doing you is giving everyone else a permission slip to do the same. And if they don't want to take that free permission slip from you, that's on them. Yeah. It's not on Ooh, you. That's that's a that's a mic drop right there. <laughs> um, okay, just two last questions. Uh, what is like a quote or a mantra that you live by? Like a philosophy, something that you find that has gotten you through, especially the difficult times and just something that you ultimately live by today? I've said it a few times and I try to think of something different, but really that life is happening for you, not to you. It just really, really helps me get through life with less anxiety and also helps me take more personal accountability. Okay, why is this happening? Why is this happening for me right now? What, what am I doing right here and now? that um, I'm not willing to learn. I mean, my whole shopping story, right? I was unwilling to release these shoes that I did not need. And because of that, it impacted my life, my life for a week and a half because of the zero dollars in my bank account, right? So, so now that I can look back at that and learn, still internally trying to release these shoes because they're so good. But, um, but you know what? It is what it is and I'm only human. So every time why is this happening for me what am i meant to learn these are great questions to ask yourself at any experience good bad anywhere in between why is this happening for me what am i meant to learn and a bigger question what am i unwilling to look at what am i unwilling to look at right now and when when you get clear on what you're unwilling to look at then you write it down and you start just looking at it acknowledging that it's something that you want to look at and even if you don't want to look at it the universe is going to push you and kicking and screaming towards looking at it until you do it will break your neck getting you to look at it sometimes even literally so so be careful out there and stop avoiding the things that you gotta you're you're meant to learn because you'll be better for it and it it might feel really really hard and challenging in the moment and it's so worth it because Every time you learn something about yourself and learn a lesson, the universe is going to deliver to you in ways that you could have mm -hmm. never dreamt of. Oof, that's really good. Um, okay, one last question. Something I ask every guest on the show, but what would you say fulfills you in life? 
So I'm really, really fulfilled by being creative. Um, I'm working right now on structuring out my business where I just get to sit and be a visionary and have creative ideas and offer them to brands, personal brands, businesses who need support scaling, need support um, with marketing. I love having big vision ideas. That fulfills me. Actually, like facilitating the ideas, making them happen outside of like being creative does not excite me. So stay tuned as to how I can actually stay fulfilled by literally, I'm like, I just want people to pay me for my ideas. And I think this is a thing and I think it can make it happen. And right now I'm navigating a lot of self doubt and continue to, as I said before, you, you notice that no answer is like a two word answer with me. I'm very verbose, but I love, I love to tell a story. <laughs> um, the, what I notice is that like, ultimately when I show up every single day, I just have to believe that, that, that what fulfills me is enough. I don't have to do anything more. And the, the people who are like, I got a no yesterday from a client that I, I, a potential client that I pitched. I was like, this is how much it's going to cost. I'm going to give you all these ideas for you to initiate. And they responded and they said, sorry, we're looking for actually someone to create the content for us, not just the ideas. And it really sucked for a second. And, and also, you know, there are all these other stories that I was telling myself about, you know, the first conversation we had and how I was clear that I don't create content and, and I'm like, well, things change and that's okay. But that rejection, here's another one that I actually really live by that rejection is protection because I was offering a lower rate than I wanted to charge. And because I got that no, and because that no was, re was rejecting me in this low rate, it opens up the universe for to supply me with my true dream rate, the rate that I know that my ideas are worth. So rejection is protection, rejection is redirection, and everything is happening for you, not to you. Oof, thank you for that mic drop. <laughs> I appreciate um, your insight today. Honestly, like this was so refreshing. And I think a lot of people just need to pause and take some time to think about this and just what our conversation was about, but also just just those those um, insecurities and those unknowns that we all need to work on internally. You know, I think like you said, it starts with that internal work, not external. And when it comes to self-confidence and self-love, I think that's just really where it begins with. Thank you for, <laughs> for allowing me to revive and refresh because I haven't been able to talk about this stuff for a while on a podcast and it, it was such a joy to get your invitation. So thank you so much for having me. Of course. Um, well, where can everyone find you? Share all your social medias, your TikTok, everything. Yeah. So I have a podcast called The Road to Self-Love, which is... Um, probably the most successful thing I've ever done. And I'm really proud of it. And it's living and breathing to this day. So you can listen to that anywhere you listen to podcasts. And then my my favorite place to show right now is TikTok, and that's paul.fishman. And we talk all about dating, relationship, communication. And I'm on the, um, the race to 100K. And once I hit 100K followers, which I'm around 25,000 followers away from, I'm gonna lead a full day free communication workshop where I'm gonna answer all your questions, support you, just out of the kindness of my heart because I love to show up and serve and also to celebrate a big milestone, like 100,000 followers on TikTok. So go follow me there so that you 
can help me get one step closer and um, join us for that free workshop when it happens. Amazing. Thank you so much. I will be sure to link all of that. And then I also did see too, you'll be in New York City in April. Is that right? Oh, yes, I will be. I will be there. <laughs> I'll be there for a couple of weeks. Um, just like oh, nice. li living the New York dream um, uh, with my partner. And then also my, my dad and I are taking a little trip there and then um, doing some some um, community work that I do called ancestral constellation work. But um, yes, I will be in New York for two weeks. Is that where you live? Yes, yes, that Amazing. is where I am. <laughs> well, well, we'll have to keep in touch because I, I wanna stay connected to like the self-development space, even though I've like yeah. left it as like a personality. And if there uh -huh. are people um, outside of yourself that you think that I should have on my show or anything like that, like I would mm -hmm. love a connection. I'm really desperate to have Serena Kerrigan on my podcast. If you're mm -hmm. connected to her, let's do it. And also maybe I should have you on my show as well. Would love to, yeah. let's definitely stay connected. Cool. <laughs> And that was all for today's episode with Paul Fishman. I hope you found value in this conversation. And if you did, as always, please be sure to rate and review the podcast on Apple or Spotify. Yes, you can rate a podcast on Spotify, but you can't leave a review. So if you have been enjoying this for a long time, I would so, so appreciate it if you took a few minutes to go review the podcast over on Apple. And I always love seeing you guys share the episode on Instagram. So if you do, please be sure to tag both of us. And the podcast Instagram is at what fulfills you. And one last thing, if you have been curious about the best-selling card game and the rest of the merch, you can find everything on the website at whatfulfillsyou.com. Or if you are based in New York City, you can grab it in person at the Showfield store located off of Bond Street in NoHo. Again, everything is at whatfulfillsyou.com. Thanks again for tuning in today. I will chat with you all in the next episode. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.